0: welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Yeah, you know, when he's saying that, I thought, I, 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 I thought it, it pushed me over into Spanish, and I thought, me consta. <laughs> I don't know how you say it in English, but it's, it's a cool thing to say. <laughs> that means, you know, that really resonates with me. I, I, I validate everything he just said. You guys have the best leadership in this church. You know how good it is. That's why you come here. Um, I I just love it here. I think this is maybe my fourth time to speak here. Maybe it could be more. I don't know. But it feels like home. So love being with you. And uh, I'm excited this morning. I'm excited about being here. But I want to talk to you about what Jesus gets excited about. And uh, I had so much fun preparing this message. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, you ever wonder what people are saying about you when you're not around? This can be a very valuable thing to know, or it can be a really hurtful thing to know. (laughs) Um, As a matter of fact, what people are saying about you when you're not around, it could be true or it could be false. If it's false, you got a problem. If it's true you might have a bigger problem, <laughs> you know? But um, it's, a, you know, it's I think it all of us have this sort of secret desire to know what people really think of us, you know, to know what they're saying when we're not around. I mean, one of the worst worst occasions of that for me was I got a phone call from a friend in, he was in Costa Rica. He was from El Salvador, but he was in Costa Rica. He was at an international meeting and he called me on the phone in Texas and he said, Joe, um, I just heard this and this and this about you. Is it true? I can't believe it's true um, because I know you and, and I know how much you love your wife. Is this true? And I said, absolutely not. Where did you hear that? <laughs> he said, well, so-and-so, who's a very well-known person, is telling everyone here that you won't be back in Latin America for two years because you've been placed on moral discipline by the, by the church and you won't be back around for two years. Well, I said, it's true that I won't be back around for two years because I've been given a two-year study leave to go to Columbia University and get my doctorate. But it's not true that I've been disciplined in any way or that, I'm in, that I did, did what he said. And I said, that's absolutely false. Um and he says well i knew it would be but he he said you should probably do something about it is at this international meeting he's been telling everybody here and 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 they're going to go out from here to all their countries and everybody's going to think this thing about you um and I said oh thank you i will take care of that so <laughs> i called the brother directly <laughs> 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 and um you know i i i had i just revered this person he was really a, a well known person who was a a real role model for me in many ways, and I I revered him. I I was just shocked that he had done this, but we were in competing educational institutions, and he got a little too competitive. And I called him up, and I said, you know, I've admired you my whole life. Since I began to know what a missionary was, I've admired you. And I've, and I've tried to follow your footsteps, and I heard this that you're saying about me, and I need, you to, I need you to stop that, and I need you to go to everybody you've spoken to and tell them you were wrong, that, that I called you, I told you the truth, and you, and you were wrong. And I said, and I'd like to go back to being friends if you're willing, um, and I'd like to go back to admiring you because it takes a big man to go and say he's wrong. But if we can't go back to being friends, you need to understand that I will take you to the highest authorities of this church. And you will be forced to recant what you said. Now, we can be friends or we can be enemies, but I would rather us be friends. I'm ready to forgive you right now. All you got to do is just promise me that you'll fix the damage you've been doing. And um, let's go back to being friends. And he said, okay, let's do it that way. And we did. And that's why I wouldn't tell you his name for a million dollars today. Um, You know, the thing is, what people say behind your back can really damage you. (laughs) Or it it could be a blessing, too. Well, there's this occasion in Jesus' life when he asked his disciples what people were saying about him. And it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Would you stand for God's word to be read today? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? What are the people saying around, what are they saying about me? Who do they say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now you should understand Jesus had been calling himself the Son of Man for some time. Everybody knew when he said, what do they say about the Son of Man? He was saying, what are they saying about me? And, and he said some, of, some pe- they said, some people say you're John the Baptist, come back to life, because he'd recently been killed. And some thought he was John the Baptist, come back. And others thought he was Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Praise God for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And praise God for the victory of the kingdom of God and of the church. And we're going through. Amen. You can be seated. You know, the coronavirus couldn't stop us. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I was so pleased back when it first hit. Because the coronavirus hit. And all of a sudden, guys who couldn't spell internet were broadcasting on Facebook. I mean, People were preaching the gospel night and day everywhere on Facebook, and it was just amazing, and uh, the kingdom of God is moving forward, and we're not going to fail, and uh, it's exciting. So what do people say about you when you're not around? I I recently was talking to a fellow college president on the phone, and he was saying, uh, yeah, my, my staff really enjoyed having you here to to consult with us, and they, they were wanting to meet the maverick college president. <laughs> and I said, oh, is that what they say about me? And he says, yeah, that's, that's what people say about you. You're the maverick college president because you say exactly what you think. <laughs> and you don't care if people disagree with you. You just say what you think. And, uh, and I said, yeah, that's me. I got to admit, that's what I am. Um, you know, it's not always a good thing. To be the Maverick, but it's it's who I am. It's okay, it's the truth. And uh, you know, some people sometimes say really mean things that aren't true. I get I get I get responses from people all the time, and people sometimes just want to assume the worst. You know, um, <laughs> I constantly get people upset about something that happened at Northwestern University in Chicago. People call me up and they're all blue in the face and they're mad because Northwest did X and Y. And I said, no, that's not Northwest, that's Northwestern. (laughs) You know, sometimes what they say about you isn't true. And uh, some people put the worst possible interpretations on what you do. You experienced that? You do something perfectly innocent and because of what's in their mind or in their heart, they see it in the worst possible way. I remember one time when I was a missionary, the, the, the head of all the missionaries in Latin America was a guy named John Bueno. I don't know if he's been to this church, but he's, he's great. He's just a great man and dear friend of mine. And, and he was talking to another dear friend of mine. And he said, you know, Hermano Jose, that's what they call me in Latin America. Hermano Jose is, he's very intelligent. And my friend said, yeah, that's true. He is. And he said, and you know, he's really spiritual, and my friend said, yeah, that's true. And he said, and he's un poco loco. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> and uh, my friend said, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you got to live with yourself. You got to get comfortable with who you are. But the problem is, is that all of us do things that aren't representative of who we are. Do you ever fail to be yourself? And sometimes do something really mean or or wicked, and then how are you going to fix that? You wasn't being your, you weren't being yourself, maybe, but you did it. But when I think back, every once in a while, I'll think back of the worst things I've done in life. It's almost always something I said. And um, boy, I'll tell you, if I would let myself dwell on it very long. It would really depress me. You know, these. sometimes it's something you said. Sometimes it's something you did. Sometimes you betray somebody who loves you. Um, Sometimes you do something you've been taught your whole life not to do, and you think in the minute that you're going to be all right, but then after you do it, that guilt comes. You know you did the wrong thing. Sometimes you get in a life habit of doing the wrong thing. And it just kind of takes control of you. And it isn't your real self. It isn't your best self. Sometimes you just kind of get, you kind of lose track of your best self. You know what I'm talking about? You lose track of your best self. When you lose yourself, we say you're lost. And when you're lost, you got to find that that good self again. You got to find that real self Again, because if you keep living that way, you get further and further into this false existence. And there's just no way to live, but the end of it is terrible. Because if you lose yourself, you've lost everything. And you know, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. That that good you, that that best you, that you that you know yourself to be inside, that you that helps you love yourself. Jesus came to save it and to give it back to you. What an amazing amazing thing! Now, Jesus, when he asked his disciples what people were saying about him, uh, it's not that he didn't know. He heard the rumors and people said those kind of things to him. Um, But he wanted to hear what they thought. He wanted to hear if he was getting through to them because he'd been teaching them for a while now. And he wanted to see, was he getting through to them? Is Jesus getting through to you? Has he gotten through to you to the point where you're able to say, Jesus is the Christ. (laughs) Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is my savior. When, when When you can say that, Jesus has gotten through to you. And he's asking you today, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? Well, so Peter, Peter, you know, these other guys, they're saying, well, so-and-so says this. And the other one says this. And Peter, he just tells what he thinks. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And when Jesus said that, Peter when Peter said that, Jesus got excited. <laughs> you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he was really the one who inspired me to, to put this message together for you. He was talking about this passage, and he said, when Peter said, Jesus, when, when Peter said, Jesus, you're the Christ, Jesus got excited. And when he said that, Jesus got excited, I thought, wow, I've never heard that sentence in my life. Have you ever heard it? I mean, I I spend most of my time thinking about this. (laughs) You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about Jesus, and I know what people say about him. I never had heard anybody say Jesus got excited. So even while we're talking on the phone, I said I'm going to Google that, and I Googled the phrase "Jesus got excited," and you know what? It wasn't on the internet. On the whole internet, it doesn't say one time that I could find that Jesus got excited. You know, and that phrase, it's a really strange phrase. It's an odd phrase. Nobody ever says it, but it's exactly what happened at that moment. Maybe nobody says that phrase because it doesn't occur in the Bible. The Bible never says exactly that Jesus got excited, but this time... It's obvious that he got excited. Now, how do I know that Jesus got excited when Peter said, uh, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God"? Because of the way Jesus responded to him. The sentence that Jesus says has an exclamation point on it. And any time in the Bible when Jesus says something and it has an exclamation point on it, you can tell that he's excited in some way. He might be mad. He might be sad, and he might be glad, but anytime Jesus says something and there's an exclamation point on it, you ought to pay attention because Jesus has gotten excited. Now, there aren't any exclamation points in the original Greek text of the New Testament. Those are all put there by the translators, but the translators are putting that exclamation point on there because they realize that Jesus had an elevated mood (laughs) when he said it, that his emotions were up when he said it. That's why you put an exclamation point on things. And here's what Jesus said to Peter. He said, blessed are you. He pronounced a blessing on him. When Jesus gets excited about you, he's gonna pronounce a blessing on you because that's what he does. Every time, I went back through the book of Matthew and I looked for every exclamation point in the whole book. So I could tell you this today. So please listen. (laughs) Every time Jesus Jesus pronounces a blessing on somebody, it's because he's excited about them. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. His name, by the way, Simon's name is Simon bar Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. That's his name. But Jesus goes on to say, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, Peter means rock, I will build my church. Now, you might ask yourself, why doesn't anybody ever say Jesus got excited? The problem is that we have an insufficient understanding of Jesus. People kind of think Jesus was this chill character, right? Right? Chill is the way young people say cool. But chill is even cooler than cool. I mean, chill is on the verge of cold. <laughs> and they have, you know, there's this notion of the chill Jesus. And I got to tell you, Jesus was the coolest person in history. You just read the New Testament, you can't miss it. I mean, geez, you know, you remember the, I, I'm, I'm going to really date myself. I'm 61 years old. And you remember the fawns? Yeah, you remember how cool the Fonz was? I mean, he was unflappable. He walked through the world, never impressed by anything, just cool. <laughs> and that's the way cool, cool people are confident, right? Cool people, they're not worried about what people think of them. They don't get overexcited about stuff. They're just Cool. Everybody, you know, the thing confidence is the most attractive thing in the world. People who don't look all that great necessarily can be very attractive if they've got confidence. And so Jesus, I mean, Jesus knew he was the son of God. How much more confident can you get? (laughs) Jesus knew the father had put all power in his hands. I mean, he he was cool. Jesus was in, unquestionably cool, but that doesn't mean that Jesus was not emotional. I mean, Jesus had emotions. He wasn't like Mister Spock on Star Trek, you know, or even worse, Data in the next generation of Star Trek. You know, Data's an android and he never you know, he just never gets excited about anything. He's just cool, chill. Well, Jesus wasn't like that at all. Jesus had emotions. Um, he wasn't a geek. He wasn't, um, you know, he, he wasn't uh, a, 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 a flighty person. He didn't let his emotions run away with him. He never let his emotions lead him into sin, which is an incredible accomplishment. Because <laughs> emotions can get you into sin in a hurry. Whether it's getting mad or getting too happy. You know, your emotions can lead you astray. Jesus never let that happen. But he had emotions. And one of the great emotions that he had was compassion. I mean, Jesus gets emotional about people's needs in the New Testament. Matthew 9 35 said, Jesus saw the crowds, that they were helpless and harassed, like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. And he healed every disease and sickness. Jesus, on one occasion, wept. He wasn't weeping for himself, but the Bible says he wept because his friend Lazarus had died. Jesus, the Bible says he, this is this is a beautiful phrase uh, from the King James Bible, it says he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus was touched by our sickness and our sadness and our hurts and our pains. And you know, you I talked about losing yourself because of sinning earlier. Sometimes people lose themselves because of the sadness that they've gone into. They lose themselves because they've just had so much pain that they can't get back to that happy-go-lucky self that they used to enjoy, but Jesus came for that too. I love what Isaiah 53 says about Jesus, that he bore our sorrows. Surely he bore our sorrows. But it also says he was wounded for our transgressions. So when Jesus went to the cross for us, when he died on the cross for us, it was because of our, it was because of our sins. Because he, he wanted to save us from them. He wanted to restore that good self, that, that ideal self, that self you love to be. And he wanted to set people free from their sorrows and their pain. And Jesus Jesus is touched by what we go through. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, but he did not sin. That's amazing. And why didn't he sin? Because he wanted to be... The perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine. It's wonderful. So Jesus, when Peter made his declaration of faith, Jesus got excited about it. His emotions got engaged. And in the Bible, you can recognize the times when Jesus gets excited, as I said before, when you see the exclamation points. And I said before that he either gets sad or he gets mad or he gets glad. Now, when Jesus gets mad in the New Testament, he usually pronounces a curse on the people he's mad at. Now he doesn't cuss them. That's different, you know. But he does a little name calling, <laughs> like the, the the Pharisees. When he got mad to them, he didn't. He, he, the curse that he said was "Whoa!" unto you. No, nobody says that anymore. They just call you a really bad name. <laughs> But this was a way of cursing their behavior. He wasn't trying to curse them, but their behavior was abominable. And he was saying so. Woe to you. And when you say woe to you, it's a warning. It's a, you're headed for trouble. And he called the Pharisees on one occasion, you vipers, you hypocrites. Um, And so when Jesus gets mad, he usually curses them that way. And you don't want to be under the curse of God, believe me. You just don't. Uh, it's not that God hates you. it's warning you <laughs> that there is trouble ahead and you got to change. you got to turn around because if you keep going the way you're going, judgment is coming. And you don't want to be there. And so Jesus, he responds verbally when he gets, when he gets emotional. And, you know, it's one of Jesus' nicknames, one of his titles in the Bible is the Word of God. And one thing about Jesus is that he is not silent. Jesus has something to say to you. He does. And he will speak to you. But uh, when he got mad, it was usually a curse. When he was sad, he would say something about the sadness. But when he was glad, when Jesus got excited, he would always pronounce a blessing on people. And What's cool about the blessing that he, uh, that he uh, um, pronounced upon Peter is that in blessing him, he gave him a nickname, gave him a new name, and, and he would be known by that name for the rest of his life. His whole life long, he had been Simon, but after Jesus gave him the name Peter, everyone knew him as Peter from then on. By the way, the real name that he gave him was Kephas. Kephas is the Aramaic version of Peter, which is the Greek version. But <laughs> Peter liked being Kephas so much that when he went to the Greek speakers, he changed his name to Peter. Because <laughs> he was more interested in being Peter than he ever was to being Simon. That was the name Jesus gave him. And you know, when you come to Jesus, um, he gives you a new name. <laughs> book of Revelation says that the one who overcomes, I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it that no one knows except him. I can't wait to have that name. But nicknames are nicknames can be a bummer or they can be precious. When I was in school, I broke my first front tooth and then a few months later, I broke the other one. They were crooked and they were just begging to be broken and <laughs> I managed to oblige them. And so in fifth and sixth grade, the dentist put this silver temporary cap on it. Why they couldn't put a real cap on it pretty quick, I don't know, but it was back then. You know, nowadays, they wouldn't do that to you, I don't think. But I had these silver caps on my front teeth, and everybody called me tooth. (laughs) I was tooth to everybody. (laughs) It was awful. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, your nickname? Have you have been called a nickname you didn't like? T- turn to your name and tell them what your nickname was. <laughs> if you've never been called Tooth, count it a blessing. <laughs> when I was in when I was in college, I had a friend who gave me the nickname Pepper, and I liked that one a whole lot better because Pepper was in, in Spanish. Jose is Pepe, and so in Spanish class they'd call me Pepe or Chepe. Yeah, and uh, my, friend, my friend who didn't speak Spanish started calling me Pepper, and I liked that a whole lot. I thought Pepper was a whole lot better than being Tooth. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the thing about nicknames is they can be derisive. They can be uh, mocking you or, or making fun of you, and that's no fun. Although, occasionally, those names stick, and they're fine. Sometimes they become, they, they kind of gain some affection. But often, nicknames are what we call pet names, you know, or names of affection, and I, I've given my daughters nicknames that only I call them. My oldest daughter, I call her Prima Dada. Because <laughs> she's kind of the Prima Donna of the family. But she's my, she's my first daughter. So I call her Prima Dada. And she loves being Prima Dada. But I'm the only one that calls her that. And my second daughter is named Alter Ego. I studied Latin in high school. so, I, <laughs> so. My second daughter's name is Alter Ego, which means my other self. And uh, she's just like me. And uh, she she loves what I call her alter ego because she's proud to be like me. And she likes it for me to recognize that she's like me. And my third daughter I call best beloved. In Latin, that would be amatissima, but I call her best beloved. And uh, she she, she loves that. She just lights up when I call her best beloved. I don't call the other two best beloved. They got their own nicknames. (laughs) But um, my wife has different kinds of names for them. For She calls the oldest one Cax. Because she would write on her, her she, there were like 150 Jessicas in her first grade class. And when she would write her name, she would write Jessica C, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica C. And so she became Cax. And that led to the, her mother becoming Max. And I'm Pax <laughs> for Poppy, you know. Pax, and my, 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 my second daughter is Jax, and my third daughter is Sacks. <laughs> so, um And then my second daughter, my, she, her, she, my, my wife started calling her Joby because she would turn her Ds around. <laughs> and Joby became Jobaluna, and Jobaluna became Jobaluna the Ninja Tuna. <laughs> so, so, and so she's jo, Jobaluna. And uh, my wife calls her that. I don't. And then, and then my third daughter, my wife calls her um, uh, Mackenzie Morcelina. And that became because her she her name is Sophie, and Sophie became Sophie Kins, and Sophie Kins came, became Mackenzie, uh, Kenzo became Kenzo because Kenzo is Japanese for wise, and Sophie's. Greek for wise, so Kenzo became the nickname. And so then Kenzo became Mackenzie, and Mackenzie became Mackenzie morselina, because she's a beautiful little, delicious little morsel. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, my wife always talks about just eating them up. But, um, and, you know, it's funny because she's sort of making fun of them a little bit with her nicknames, but, but they love, they love them because that's what their mother calls them. And it's a beautiful thing to have a nickname. And G- Peter just treasured this nickname for the rest of his life. Every time somebody called him Peter, he remembered that moment when he, re- he got it right. You remember the minute when you got it right? And like I got to tell you, if you, haven't, if you haven't given your life to Jesus today, if you haven't realized that he is the Savior of your soul, if you haven't realized that he's the one God sent for you, if you haven't brought him in as the Lord of your life and begun to live this Christian life, I gotta tell you, everyone here remembers the first time they called him Savior. Everyone here who's done it remembers that day. They'll never forget it for the rest of their life. And today, if you make that decision to follow Jesus, this will be a day that you will remember for the rest of your life. It'll be the best day you ever had. But it'll be the best day... It'll be the best day of all the best days you'll ever have forever. And we all feel that way about it. And, you know, Jesus is going to give you a new name. And um, isn't that the kind of relationship you want to have with God? Don't you want to have a relationship with God that is so close that God calls you by a pet name? That's a, that's a wonderful thing. And believe me, they, you want that relationship with God. Pastor, you're talking about giving something to get nothing. You know, you know how you can give something to get nothing? When you know you have everything. You know, when you know you got everything, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Isn't that the way you want to live? In that sense of abundance that God has given me everything. Well, that's what he did for Peter. And, um, you know, it makes Jesus excited all through the Bible. You'll see the times when Jesus gets excited, when Jesus gets happy. Every single time, it's because somebody demonstrated their faith. One time, it was a Roman soldier, and Jesus said, "Um, let me go to your house and heal your son and he says no I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof just speak the word and my son will be healed and Jesus said I've not seen faith like this even among the Israelites and he got excited about that man showing his faith there's another case where a Canaanite woman came and she needed healing and and it's one of the strangest places in the Bible and she says Jesus I need healing and Jesus says hey this, this is the this is the children's bread I don't give it to the dogs she said, oh, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall under the table. And Jesus got excited. And he said, your faith has made you whole. And she was healed in that moment. And she walked out a brand new woman. And uh, Jesus got excited. Jesus got excited when Peter said, you're the Christ. And Jesus is going to get excited today when you show him your faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray at this moment that by the Spirit of God, you would put faith in the heart of everyone here. Everyone here. That today, they would take a step of faith to you. They would reach you. You would reach them. If there's anybody in this place today and you've never in public, never, never... Confess that Jesus is your Savior. That you've put your faith in Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right now? All over. If if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, God bless you. Who else? Who else? Yes, God bless you. Who else? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Jesus is excited about this. Who else? Who else will say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus today? He's my Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the one who has come to save me. I want him in my life. Just put your hand up real quick. Real quick. I'm going to, there you go. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Jesus is excited right now because of you. Praise God. All right, let's pray. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. Everybody, everybody in the whole house, stand up. If you raised your hand, I especially want you to pray. We're going to pray out loud with you. So you so that you're just like everybody else with your voice out loud you're going to speak these words of faith in Jesus Christ. Just say them out loud with me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, come I come to you in need. In need. I want to be my best self. I want be to be. I wanna be the person you created me to be. I don't want my life to be characterized by sin. I don't want my life to be defined by my pain. I want my life to be defined by Jesus. So I surrender myself to Jesus. I confess that He is my Savior. I am His, and He is mine. I know that right now, you're writing now my name in heaven and I'm going to spend eternity with God and I pledge for the rest of my life I'm going to walk with Jesus I'm going to know God I'm going to live above sin I'm going to live above sadness and I'm going to know God In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Praise God. Pastor, this is exciting. (laughs) One more thing I've got to do before he gives some instructions to those who raise their hands to accept Jesus. You've been needing something from God. You've been needing a touch in your body. You've been needing change in your circumstances. You've been needing a miracle at your employment or in your business. I don't know what it is that you need from God today. But Jesus is going to get excited. When you put your faith in him and you say, Jesus, I yield that problem to you. I'm going to just thank you for the answer. And I'm not going to worry about it anymore. In Jesus' name, I want you to confess that to him. Jesus, I give you my problem. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I know you are able. I know you are good. And I receive my miracle from you today (laughs) because you put faith in my heart to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, thank you. Lord, if there's anybody here in this place that is sick in their body, heal them in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, by your power, Touch them and heal them and give them freedom in Jesus' name. If there's anybody here that's suffering from chronic pain, Lord Jesus, let it be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, I always thank you that you're excited about us because we are excited about you. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Eric. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrep.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.